I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So I've been doing lots of interviews with uh, magic people past and present. So today I have Kelly Diggs with us to talk about the making of Dominaria. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Mark. It's great to be here. So uh, let's start from the beginning. What's your earliest memory of making Dominaria? What's your memory of us, of us making this? So my earliest memory of making Dominaria um, was, uh, boy, it must have been, I mean, six years ago now or something. It was, it was before I was actually even on the creative team. I was just kind of confabbing with them about some stuff in my role as a rules editor. But um, I got into a conversation with them about worlds that we could revisit. And um, Dominaria was, you know, was on my personal list of things I'd want to see. And I, I had this image that I think I've mentioned in a podcast before of like, it's a world of castles and dragons and all the, you know, fantasy stuff you expect from Alpha. But you dig six feet down and you hit rusted metal that like it's, it's, there was also this giant science fiction war on Dominaria. And so showing those two things interacting, that's my very first memory. That was before Dominaria was even on the schedule. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, right. And then, and then, and then it was only much later when it was actually on the schedule that I, you know, my hand shot up in the air. I was like, can I, can I, can I have that one? Can I take it? So just for the audience, a little history, I believe there was a 13 year gap between the last time we had been on Dominaria, which was, um, that's right. Which was uh time spiral block. Yeah. Um, that's right. And so there was a huge gap and early magic, uh, for the first, I don't know, 10 or so years of Magic, almost all of Magic was on Dominari. There was a few exceptions, but the vast, vast majority, for some reason, we didn't seem to move around, even though we had a multiverse. Um, yep. And then we started to move around, and, and then we sort of left Dominari in the dust and went to other places. And the challenge of Dominari had always been, it's it was so many different things. It wasn't one thing. Right. Right. It was, it was Odyssey Block with all the graveyard stuff. It was Onslaught Block with all the tribal stuff. It was... It was yeah. It was Mirage Block. It was Ice Age Block with all the snow. It was everything. And so yeah, the the central challenge, both creatively and mechanically, going back was like, so what is it? What what is it? Right. I mean, and uh, we had changed how we treated planes. I mean, one of the things you were very involved in is we made a very big creative team, and we you know we did all this world building, and like modern Magic planes are just very different than what early Magic had been, and so it was yeah. like. How do we take this thing that the players love? It's, it's a very beloved place. It was Magic's sort of birthplace in some level. Um, but how do we bring that to a modern age? And that was the, the big challenge. Right. And we, we on, you know, and uh, I, was on the, I was on the exploratory design team. So we looked at some things like um, geography. The Dominaria has locations um, in a way that most of our planes don't. You know, places that are on a map and we know their relations to each other. That didn't turn out to be that fruitful. But the, the word that I locked in on real early was history, um, that what Dominaria has that none of our other worlds have the first time we go to them is this deep history, both in the game and in the world. And, you know, when I said history, people kept thinking of dusty libraries. And so a lot of a lot of the refinement of the creative pitch and even the mechanical pitch that, that came from history, which I know I was not the only one who, who locked in on, was how to make that history idea um, exciting and and vibrant and present in 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 the modern world. So just so the audience understands, you were the creative liaison for this project, and yeah, so I, yeah, I was the, I was the overall creative lead. So it was kind of my my baby, um, and then I was also the creative liaison to design. So I was on exploratory design, vision design, and set design. 
um, for the set. I only made a few actual cards. I made Multani, I remember, um, mm-hmm. or a card that was very, very close to what, what Multani turned into. Um, but, but yeah, uh, and, and then, you know, on the art side, Mark Winters was the art director and he ha- also had a tremendous impact on the creative of the set. And I, I cannot, I cannot ever discuss the making of the set without, without discussing him. Um, and he and I very much just put our heads together and kind of became one entity to the extent that we could and, and had this vision that honestly, it felt like at times nobody else really understood that like we, we knew what we were trying to do. We knew what we wanted out of it. And, and many people, many people, uh, in the rest of the company didn't quite get it, but let us develop it until we could work with concept artists and show them what we were doing. Yeah. One of the interesting things was, I think we walked out of exploratory with the idea of, okay, history is our thing. Like that was what mm-hmm. we left exploratory with, um, and a lot of what I was trying to do on the mechanical side was, what does it, what does it mean? What if the, the set is history? What does that mean? Um, and you and yeah. I worked very closely trying to like, okay, how do we convey the flavor and the mechanics? Saying this is Dominari is the history world. That's what Dominari is. Right, and you know, I was interested in the possibility of an optimistic graveyard set because whenever we've done graveyard sets, they've always kind of keyed in on the death and spooky parts of it. Um, but we had had Shadows of Ernestrad and then Amonkhet, so there it was just too close on the heels of all that to do another graveyard set. Um, and Richard Garfield, who was on the set design or on the vision design team, was never real keen on the idea of the graveyard as history. He's like, that's that's what happened two minutes ago. Like that's not history um you know which is what led him to develop what would become sagas um you know but yeah what does history mean and i I remember in a handoff document that i made at the start of vision design you know Mm -hmm. i had put in a little paragraph about about legends about legendary creatures and um because that was something mark winters had pressed for and you know he's he's on the uh, uh, like most people on the art side he's a little less you know, connected to the mechanical parts of the game, then it's the writer's job to be. So he, you know, he was like, legendary creatures seem really right. It's like, yeah, you know, but Kamigawa and there's difficulties about designing around legendary creatures and all that. And, um, you know, so I put it in. I'm like, ah, a light legendary theme or more, or even just more legends than usual. You know, the word legend, it, it sounds, you know, like it connects to history, but also it lets us talk about these extraordinary people from Dominaria's past and present. Some of the ones from the past are immortal and therefore still alive. Um, and so that was that was something I put in the handoff, you know, and then design looped its way back around to that much, much later um, on their own, I think, you know, with that handoff document having been long, long forgotten. But it did make sense. And I was I was very happy when that happened and even happier when the decision was made to make Planeswalkers legendary because that tied that tied everything together. Right. So one of the things that I know we did was we did this brainstorming session. I'm not sure if it's exploratory or vision, but where we said, okay, what represents in the game, what represents history? What possibly could be history? Oh, could be the graveyard. Uh, artifacts are obviously, you know, the very name of artifacts is objects of old, um, right? Legendary people, you know, famous things. Um, we, we talked about stories. That's something we wrote down. Yep. Um, so let's actually real quick. Let's. I want to jump into sagas a little bit, just because you brought that brought yeah. it up. So we had written. So here's the, here's the origin of sagas. Is we had written on the board we wanted stories, and we were like, okay, how exactly does one bring a story to life? Um, and the earliest. Uh, so when we had made planeswalkers, um, our early attempt at planeswalkers had this. Uh, the way it worked was. 
turn one, they did the first thing. In turn two, they did the second thing. In turn three, they did the third thing. In turn four, they'd go in and do the first thing again. And they would just rotate through those three things. Um, but the problem we ran into was it made them feel very dumb at times. Like Garrick, I, the early Garrick was like, make a beast. Uh, and then double the number of beasts. And then all your beasts get like plus three, plus three. So if, if turn one you killed, made a, if someone killed that first beast, you were very sad, and Garrick looked not very smart. Right, just like he spent two turns doing nothing because it didn't mean anything, and it just right. it made one of the big complaints we got is it made him feel stupid, and so we ended up changing to give them a little more agency and what you know it felt like they were choosing to do things. Um, but I remembered the gameplay was interesting that it just didn't fit Planeswalkers. Um, so I pitched to the group. I said, "Can we make use of of this?" Because the one thing about a story is. If things go in order, okay, that's that's what a story is. So at least it didn't feel like they were dumb. It's like, well, that's just the story, the story, the, this. And I I gave to the group the idea of what can we do with this. And that's what Richard went off and brought back his, I think we, we posted this in some articles where Richard like envisioned like this, um a board that ran, like, you know, a, a board that ran through the card and that the idea of icons on, on spaces and stuff. Like you, you'd advance your guy and then when you hit an icon, an effect went off. Um, yeah, yeah, and some of them had branch points and stuff, which some of the things that Richard came up with for Saga, some of the more out there things, I sort of see uh, in the in the dungeons of Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Yes, yes, yes. Of, you know, yeah. Not that it was necessarily directly inspired, but some of the same sorts of ideas of, like, you're moving through this space, sometimes you're picking a path or whatever. Saga's ended up very much the simpler version. Um, and, you know, in Richard's original design, you know, think of it as a whole card, he, he had put it into the art. Because of our process, you know, that was something when I showed it to Mark Wonders, he was like, e, I don't know, you know, what if what if we're most of the way through the art process and they decide that actually it needs one more node? Like, that's going to be really, really, really challenging. Um, so that was one feedback from our side was like, maybe not in the art. Can we figure out something else? So how, uh, how, how did Sagas get to where they got? Yeah, that's an interesting story. Um, so, uh, so... Uh, do you mean do you mean in terms of art? Yeah, visually. Visually, how did they end up visually where they visually. ended up? So, um, so the frame was made by James Arnold um, with uh, you know with uh, Mark Winters working closely with him, you know, getting this kind of uh, chaptery feel to it. Um, more about the frame in a second. There's an interesting thing about the frame that I think even now a lot of people don't don't realize. But um, but the art, I do not remember whose idea it was that they should be in world art object i think it was mine but i i don't remember and i know that obviously if mark winters had said no that's that doesn't sound right it would not have happened but mark and i really really dove into that Here, here's my memory of how i think it happened so i'll give you my, okay, my right. um i had really liked the idea of since it was a history set of having art that showed actual history on the cards right you made the connection of what if the sagas did that Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, that sounds. That sounds. I, I. I just was enamored by the idea, but I. I didn't connect it to what. What if that was the saga thing? You were the one that right. said, "Oh, hey, what if the saga thing did that?" Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and the sagas for Dominaria especially, I was really, really keen that creatively the sagas would all represent in-world documents or or objects whose job is to convey history, and some of them, like the Antiquities War. Um, their name actually comes from previously established in-world documents. Other ones we made up, but but again, then we quoted them. Uh, you know, uh, the eldest were born. 
uh, about Nicol Bolas is one that we made up, but then quoted. Um, so the implication that they're all in-world documents and these are illustrations or or um, performances or whatever, um, or even you know sort of uh, visual representations of these of these stories, we came up with as many different ones as we could. You know, there were fourteen sagas, and you know, I think. Ultimately, there were 14 different treatments of them. We really let the artists loose on them. I was so thrilled that in Kaldheim, well, I've been thrilled to see sagas continue. Um, and I was so thrilled that in Kaldheim, we finally got to the point where one of the sagas was literally actually a wood carving. <laughs> I think it was Victor. I think it was Vic, Victor Adame. Um, it was literally a wood carving that he carved and then took a picture of instead of a painting. But. Um, but yeah, so and then the vertical orientation was really interesting. That was a thing where it came up during the frame thing, and we were we were very skeptical of it at first because that is a that that is a really unusual aspect ratio for a magic card. But it ended up interacting with this idea of visual art and letting us do things like statues, like that statue of Gerard that we don't usually get to do. Um, so it just it resulted in art that we would never have made otherwise, and there was a lot of skepticism until. So we we um, we commissioned um, the history of Benalia first because that was when we're like, this is going to be a sweet a sweet stained glass window. We know what it's going to look like. We know what it's going to feel like, and we brought that to Mark to Mark Globus. Um, no, I don't remember what his title was at the time. He was a product architect. He's a product architect. So he, he just wanted to make sure everything was good, coming together right. And we brought it to him. And he's like, oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Makes total sense. So that was that was kind of our proof of concept. And then we're like, okay, now we got to come up with 13 more. So, um, I want to jump in real quick of why the frame is that way. Because there, there is a mechanical or a structural reason why the, why the frame had to be that way. When yeah. Richard had first made it, there was like a track, right? And you said that the track right. just didn't work. Um but we knew that we wanted to repeat things. Like one of the, That's right. the the thing that Richard came up with that really helped us was, oh, well, what if we have a little icon so that we can repeat effects so we don't have to write it twice? Um, right. And so right. when we so were we making it, to be able to write chapter one and chapter two next to the same effect yes. when appropriate. Right, and and so that the the verticalness allowed us. Like the whole idea was chapters could repeat things so that we could get a whole bunch of text. But shorten it so, well, if chapters one and two are the same thing, we don't have to write it twice. And right. I think James Arnold, when he made it, was like trying to get the sense of how can I visually allow us to do that? And the vertical slice let him do that. that that's why it ended up that's being right. a vertical slice. That's right. That's right. And then, and then the question was, can we make art like that? And the answer was very much yes. We can make some really cool and interesting art like that. Um, so the frames, the other interesting thing about the frames that I think flew under a lot of people's radars in Dominaria is, um, you know, there's different kind of watermark sort of things underneath the text um, of the different sagas, but it's not one style per color. It's one style per Dominarian culture. So the idea is that each of these things represents a cultural artifact from a different actual culture on Dominaria, whose culture we know and the details of it we know. Um, and so... Uh, you know, the Antiquities War has a uh, has a Talarian um, has a Talarian background, and um, the Fall of the Thran has a Thran background, uh, and then Triumph of Gerard has a ben a Benelish background, even though it's also white, just like Fall of the Thran, but it's from a different culture. Um, so that was something that James Arnold did for us. There's like eight 
different watermarks total or something, eight or nine. Uh, and I thought that was a really neat way of emphasizing that these are in-world artifacts, that these are how these people tell their stories. Yeah, um, the other really interesting thing that I'm not sure if people realize or not is the cool part about it is we're telling the story through that culture's take on the story. Yes. Like, one of the yes. things that, that's really neat is it's we're not trying to tell the truth. We're like, well... What does Benalia think happened? Like, what is the Benalia version of the story? Um, right, right, and like, and there were there were some interesting things about that. Where like, um, uh, the mending of Dominaria uh, is a wooden carving that shows um, what like Karn and Lord Windgrace and Freilis as three planeswalkers who gave up something, gave up a great deal to help save Dominaria, and. When it came out, people were like, well, hold on. What about Teferi? Teferi also, like, Teferi <laughs> gave up his Planeswalker's Park to help save Dominaria. It's like, well, uh, the Mending of Dominaria is a wood carving made in a place called Femoreth. Femoreth was the sister culture to Jalfir, which is Teferi's home culture, which he could not save. And something that they dug into into the stories about it is that Teferi is not well remembered in Femoreth. In fact, in, in one of Martha Wells' stories, um, a Femoreth guy, Quende, tries to kill Teferi because of that. So, yeah, Teferi's not on that statue, not because Teferi did not aid with the mending of Dominaria, but because the people of Femoreth would rather not remember that he helped with that. Um, and that was a fun thing. That was something we didn't play with. We didn't play with a lot. We, we were originally going to play with it more, actually. At one point, when we thought there would be more sagas in the set, there was a cycle of common sagas um, where each of them was how a prominent culture in that color remembers Urza. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, so, so White was going to be uh, the Benelish remembering him as, like, Gerard's wise mentor. Uh, Blue was going to be the Talarians remembering him as the greatest genius ever. Um, Black was going to be the Cabal remembering him as the fool who died to the Phryrexians. Um, and uh, I don't remember I don't remember what Red was going to be. Um, but green was, of course, going to be uh, was going to be the people of Yavamaya remembering him as the great destroyer, the guy who <laughs> ruined everything, just the worst dude. Um, I really, really wanted to do that, and I'm sorry we didn't get to that. That would have been great, but like we definitely did play with the fact that this is how this is how people remember their history. It is not necessarily what exactly what really happened. Okay, so now I want to get into another story. Um, talking about something else mechanical of the set, but it, it yeah, y y you and I went through a lot with it, so I, I want to talk about it a little bit. So we it's knew we yeah we're getting historic. Yeah. So we knew we wanted sagas. We thought we thought those were awesome. We knew we wanted legendaries because we that was a theme we did want. Uh, we also thought artifacts mattered just because artifacts we like it had some sense of history, especially especially on um, Dominaria where even the story of Urza was about him digging up things from the past at the time of of that story, right? right. Um, so Dominaria has a lot of this like digging up things from the past. So artifacts. Like, not just as objects, but objects from the past were pretty big. So, how are we going to make all these things, like, how are we going to make all these things come together? Right. We knew that they were all part of this same idea of historicity. Um, and, you know, so the first place we went, the first place you go is an ability word. And so, originally, um, all of those, you know, so, you know, we, just, we started writing artifacts, legendaries, and historics on things. Um, and... People didn't get it. And then we were like, okay, the ability word. And we're like, historic, dash, whenever you cast an artifact, legendary, or saga spell, uh, do this. And, and people were like, 
I don't get it. <laughs> what, what's the same about these three things? They're just three different things. And we're like, well, they're historic. And they're like, I, I guess. But it just it just was not working. And there was a point where we were – I remember we were, we were given the mandate like – this is good, but if people don't get it, it's, it's there's no point to it. Make it work. Make people get it, or it will be cut from the set, and you'll have to replace it. And we we liked it enough, and we were late enough in the process. We're like, we really don't want to cut it. So, you know, it's it's funny. I, I think you I think you get flack. I think you get flack sometimes, Mark, for you know, sort of telling the stories where you saved the day. Um, and it's and you've explained before. Like those are the stories you know. Those are the stories you remember, and those are the easiest stories for you to tell. But this is one where I saw it happen. I saw it happen. We were struggling with this. We had no idea what to do. You know, I, I was the creative one and a, I'm a person with a background in templating. So I felt a lot of pressure to try to figure this out. And you just ran over to my desk one morning, having, you know, figured it out in the shower or something and plunked the, what, something very close to what would be the historic reminder text on my desk. You know, and yeah, that, it's like, oh, that, that's it. <laughs> you, you solved it. Yeah, you did it. That's it. The, the funny thing is the, the, the interesting, like, so real quickly, so people know a little of the background. So Bill Rose is the VP of R&D. Um, Bill, like, just not enough people were getting it. And Bill's like, okay, we're, we're taking it out. Is this what Bill's like, we're removing it. And I'm like, Bill, 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 like, it holds everything together. Like, it's the glue that, like, we have all these themes that don't make any sense together. It's the one thing that holds it all together. And, and so Bill, like, gave me time. But he, yeah, he gave me a deadline. Like, you have a month or yeah. whatever. Um, and so I was supposed to, I had to make cards that prove the concept. Uh, and then I was working with you because you and Mark, because like, I literally had to make cards and get art for them. And like, I had to like show Bill finished cards. That's right. We were mocking up, we were mocking up cards with historic abilities on them with the art we had from the concept push. Right. That's right. Um, and we were trying all sorts of different things. And the, 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 the solution I finally came up with, which was funny is what's throwing people is they're seeing the list. And I go, what if we yep. bury the list? What if we just, what, we just bury, we just, just call them their historic cards. And people are like, what does that mean? And I go, keep reading. <laughs> keep reading. Yeah, it'll tell you. It's like, oh, well, that's what historic cards are. And yeah, it was seeing the list. Even if we put the word near it, people could not bundle the list right. together. But once we bundled it together for them. And after that, it was, it was immediate. I mean, I remember it was, everybody got it. Everyone, we, we then showed it to new people who hadn't right. seen it before. And we were like, do you get it? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Those are historic. Like, yeah, those, they, those are all practically synonyms for history. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it was, does make sense. It is funny sometimes. One of the things I find interesting about the iteration of making sets is how you will try something and people just don't get it. And then you just do it slightly differently and all people are like, oh, yeah, yep. it makes total sense. You know. It makes total sense. Yeah. No, that was wild. That was, that was, that was wild. And I'm very glad we figured it out because I do think it's really important to the finish set and how it comes together. Well, I mean, it... Sure. it a lot of times when I talk about design, what I, when I would say glue, what I mean is sometimes in sets, there's something that makes all the component pieces make sense together. And that right. when you pull out the glue, it, is, it, it seems like hodgepodge. It doesn't make any sense. And that, right, right. we had said it's a history. It's all about history. I, I needed to convey history. Like if you didn't convey history, all of it fell apart. Um, yep. and that's yep. why I was like, yes, yeah, sagas, sagas tell a story, but what do they have to do with legendary creatures? And like, Historic answered that question. And the other, another thing that we did to help Historic, and this was actually, this was something that Bill demanded, I remember, for Historic to mm -hmm. kind of meet his needs. You know, it was like, we had just come off of Kaladesh, where a lot of the artifacts, despite the meaning of the word artifact, were inventions. 
you know, we had the Kaladesh inventions as a group of artifacts, but they were they were wondrous devices that had just been created. And so there was some concern over that. It's like artifacts maybe don't feel historical anymore. So one of the things that we that we agreed to do on our side um, and wanted to do anyway was like, we're really going to focus on artifacts as, you know, old things you dig out of the ground, which the first story that took place really on Dominaria is the Antiquities story, which is about digging artifacts out of the ground. Um, so Dominaria was about artifacts as part of history from the very beginning. Um, so that was a natural thing to focus on, but that also helped historic, helped historic hang together. But like, yeah, yeah artifacts as a whole in magic can be a, a number of different things, but here the word artifact is about artifacts. It's about relics of the past. And we, and we tried to hit that pretty hard. And the reason, by the way, it's interesting. The reason we were mocking up cards was we wanted people to see everything all together to see if they understood when all the pieces were together because right. a lot of Dominar, like, I mean, all sets lean on art. It's not like art's not super important all the time, but I feel like Dominari, more so than some, like more so than the average set, like yep. a lot of what the, like I remember seeing some early uh, stuff that Mark had done about the world. And one of the cool things about it was you just saw the past literally in the landscape. Like it's right. a crash Phyrexian war machine. That's now right. you know, like become part of the village, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that's something, you know, I mentioned my initial idea of like idyllic knights and castles and then you dig down and you hit metal. I said that to Mark Winters at some point. He's like, okay, well, I can't paint. I can't paint what's six feet underground. So how do we how do we pull those layers apart? And like so we ended up at the castles with crashed spaceships behind them aesthetic. Um and you know, Thran relics and all this stuff. And and I do think I do think that for Dominaria more than most, showing that history in the art and letting that breathe, um, and letting a lot of the Easter eggs be things that were in the literal background of the card, that you could get them if you got them. And ignore them if you didn't, that if you were coming to it fresh, it was just a beautiful place. But if you if you knew, you knew. Um, I think that that was really important. And uh, and yeah, I agree that that there were some cards in Dominaria where what made them remarkable was their creative treatment. Um, and yeah, again, that's true in any set. But but Dominaria really, really relied on that to a great degree to hold, to hang together. Yeah, you bring up something really interesting, which is always a challenge we have is. This was a set that we knew the enfranchised old time players would well, like. They, they would just we say we're going back to Dominaria. We had them. They'd be excited for going back to Dominaria. But yep. for new players, right? Thirteen years have gone by. The average Magic player had never played when Dominaria was a, a place you visited, and yep. to those people, it had to be cool. It couldn't just be right. remember that because they they don't remember that. Um, and there was a duality to the set of, right, we needed just top-down, resonant, cool, high-fantasy stuff, and we needed all these callbacks, so for the people that knew what it was, it was, like, we wanted that sort of, I, 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 in design I call it lenticular, but it's a sort of lenticular from a creative standpoint. Like, it both was right. cool, but, you know, meant something for those that knew. Yep, and there were a lot of things like that. There are a lot of things like that in the set. We took a great deal of care. You know, and part of it was we were approaching the whole creative in terms of, renewal and rebirth and so we wanted it to look fresh and beautiful that you know time spiral was post-apocalyptic was apocalyptic really not even post-apocalyptic <laughs> it was gross and we were like okay it's in 60 years to spring back let's let it spring back and in fact spring springtime dominaria in springtime was one of our guidelines there's little wildflowers even in the the kelden mountains there's little little alpine alpine spring wildflowers um you know and that was important another thing that was important to me was that we called the set dominaria 
not Return to Dominaria. Dominaria, because like we were calling it Return to Dominaria in, internally, but that was at a time when Ixalan was just called Ixalan and Zendikar was just called Zendikar the first time we went there and all that. I was like, we've set a lot of sets on Dominaria, but this is the first time that we're going to Dominaria as a whole and making that the focus. Not one part of it, not one theme of it, not one area, but Dominaria. Let's just call it that and not make newer players feel like they missed something. Uh, another thing that Dave Humphreys did was uh, push for the reprints in there. That like even if you've never played with Dominaria, if you've had much if you've had much interaction with Magic with older Magic players, whatever, you've probably heard of Llanowar Elves. And so getting Llanowar Elves in there was a was a and and a number of other you know Llanowar Elves, Sarah Angel cards like that that have been reprinted a number of times that are classic in some sense was another part of saying like we're home, we're back. Um, and even if you don't know Dominaria, you know these. You know that these are important. So Dave Humphreys, by the way, was uh, was the set the set lead just from yeah yeah, yeah. something. Um, so I'm I'm almost at my desk here. So I just any final thoughts? Any like um, when you think back at Dominaria, what what do you think? I'm I'm just so proud to have worked on it. You know, I I started playing Magic when I was 11. Um, you know, during revised edition, and like I knew who Urza and Mishra were. You know, that was that was. That that was that was such an important thing for me was uh, all those old stories, and to get to revisit that and bring it into our modern sensibilities, bring it up to our modern uh, up to and into our modern aesthetic sensibilities um, was just a tremendous joy and an honor. And I'm so happy with the set uh, when all is said and done. I'm so proud of the work that I did and that you did and that everybody working on it did. I think that we. We really fired on all cylinders there, and I'm I'm just tremendously proud of of the set that came together, and 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 really really happy with the response to it. Well, I think as, as well, I think people people got what we were doing and liked it, and that was that was a really nice feeling. Yeah, one of my favorite sort of magic moments is um, we were in a meeting and they showed us a video. And it was the video of the audience at the panel where they announced that we were going to Dominaria. Yeah. And there's people like crying, hugging each other. And like, they were just so excited they were going back to Dominaria. Um, and it just really like rings true. Like, how, like, the game means a lot to people. And there's a lot of memories built mm -hmm. in the game. And it, it was just, it was kind of fun to just see how, like, how excited people got. Like, they really, Dominaria just really, really meant something to so many players. Yeah, and I, I, I hope and I believe that we we delivered on that. We delivered on what that meant and and gave people what they wanted and I'm I'm I will always be I will always be proud of Dominaria. Me too. I I, I think we did we did good. It was a good set. We did good. <laughs> okay. Well I, I uh, I'm at my desk. Uh, so we all know what that means. It's time to instead of making instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So Kelly, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. And for all you, I will see all you next time. Bye-bye.